those sweet, sweet vocal stylings and really all the lyrics and all of the music are by Ashley Minnie. Thank you so very much for putting together the theme song for the relaunch of the podcast. It just brings me so much joy every time I listen to it. So thank you so very much. All right. Welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman and I am your host. Every Wednesday and Friday, I bring you interviews with female and non-binary makers from all over the world doing making of all different kinds. Today's guest is Lisa Laffey, who is a wood carver and also illustrator. She's actually been an illustrator for much longer than she's been a wood carver, um, but they both influence each other very much so. Um, so really interesting getting to hear about her journey into both and her relationship, ongoing relationship with both. So um, great conversation. I know you're going to enjoy it. Before we hop into the interview with Lisa, though, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Annette of 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson of Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Workshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Sven Dwarf Sized Workshop, Rachel Moody Makes, Bonnie Tool Mom, Bonnie Toolmomstore.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou Made by Mary Lou, Brandy Studio Obey, Lee the Rainbow Carver, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued and ongoing support helping me to produce two episodes a week every week. If you would like to get your name added to this list, become a part of the uh, Hardcore Revolution Pod Squad, you certainly can. Just head on over to patreon.com forward slash crafting a revolution and you can join up over there. I do need to let you guys know since the podcast name has changed uh, to Crafting Revolution and we now have new logo art and that new fabulous theme song, that means there will be new stickers and new t-shirts coming out as soon as I can get on it. Part of the reason I mentioned it, starting to mention it at the start of the episodes is so that I don't forget. Um, but that means uh, anyone who's in the $3 a month and up tier will get a new sticker coming your way, even if you've been a patron for a long time. And anybody who's in the $5 a month tier and up will be getting a new t-shirt once those come out with the new logo work on it. So look for that coming up in the near future. All right, let's go, get on into the interview with Lisa. So Lisa, I do like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. So would you do that for me? Hey, my name is Lisa Laffey. Um, I live in central New Hampshire. I've lived in New Hampshire my whole life. Uh, and I'm, I'm a wood carver and I'm also um, a painter and illustrator. So a wide range of things. Okay. Um, what other okay. kind of things would you like to know about me? Well, I start with a pretty broad question, which is I, I really just want to kind of know the, the story of, of you, like, you know, where you grew up to, like, how did you get into being a carver and an illustrator? Okay, well, so um, I grew up probably about 30 miles from where I live now. Um, I've uh, lived in central New Hampshire. I also spent about 20 years living in way up north in the woods in New Hampshire. Um, so I grew up in Tilton and uh, I graduated from high school in a town called Plymouth and which is a little further north. And um, I also went to college at uh, Plymouth State, which is, which had a new, newish uh, BFA program where I was a student there that I was part of. So uh, when I was at Plymouth State, I studied printmaking and um, Part of that process was learning woodblock printing. Mm -hmm. And um, after I graduated, I didn't have access to like those big presses that we had at school. And so I 
dabbled around in some linoleum printing and some wood block printing. And at some point I was like, I just want to carve the blocks. I just want to do the carving. So that's pretty much how I made the transition. But I didn't really start carving till probably 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, sort of just playing around, but um, seriously getting into carving and like buying some, some professional tools. Um, that didn't start till probably about 15 years ago. Okay. And you're doing all like hand carving with like chisels. Yeah. I, I don't use much in the way of power tools. I've never really liked power tools. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like the noise and I don't like the, uh, the dust Mm -hmm. dealing with the dust. And so, um, I use, I have a bandsaw that I use usually like to cut if, if I have a shaped carving to cut that out and um, that's pretty much it. Sometimes I will use a router to like set a level mm -hmm. in the carving. Like if I, the carving is raised and I'll take out the background with the router um, just cause that's so much easier to get everything yeah. and saves a huge amount of time to kind of hog out all of that background stuff. Um, but from that point on, I use hand tools, I use traditional hand tools. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I really enjoy the process, sort of the, the, the quietness of it and the, um, I don't know, just it, it's one of the things that really drew me to, to hand carving initially was that it was something that I could do for 10 minutes when I had 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. I could pick up, pick up where I left off, work for 10 minutes. And also that I could work for well, a little longer and really found it quite relaxing. Um, mm -hmm. I was an illustrator for uh, many years prior to carving. And um, I did these very intricate Celtic designs that one small painting would take, you know, 40 or 50 hours of my time. It was really detailed and really intense. Mm -hmm. And um, coming to the carving was just sort of like a, an exhale from that uh, process. And um, I also found that a lot of the design work that I had done uh, as an illustrator, I had thought about what I was drawing, like it was a relief. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that makes much sense. It, it makes total describing sense. Describing it me. that way. Yeah, but yeah. in my mind, I conceived of it as a relief. And mm -hmm. so I would take, I would look at one of those designs and think, oh, I can carve that. Mm -hmm. and, um, sometimes I still will do a painting and I'll get done with the painting and think, yeah, I really want that to be carving too. So, um, so I explore kind of both of those things in very different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so I just want to make sure I'm, I uh, copied so far. So <clears throat> your BFA was in printmaking? Yes. Specific, okay. Yes. As an illustrator, is that like what you did work-wise? And was it for yourself or for others? Um, I... I spent about 10 years being self-employed uh, and um, I, I did a little bit of everything, but some of that was, um, I, I, I did some licensing of artwork. I designed some greeting cards, um, small projects like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then later on, um, I decided I needed some health insurance so I got a full-time job. Um, I had worked in libraries. I'd had part-time jobs in public libraries in a couple of spots. And I got a full-time job um, working in an academic high school library. Mm -hmm. um, and I did that for almost 14 years. Um, I was a systems librarian, which is like library technology, the mm -hmm. catalog and all that kind of super nerdy stuff. <laughs> And um, 
um, a couple of months ago, I got laid off from that job. I lost that job. And um, so now I'm looking at the potential of going back to that sort of self-employed state of being while I explore some other opportunities. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm super excited to have the time to, to carve now that uh, I haven't had before. And also I'm working on several illustration projects too, so. Okay. Um, were you into like art and creating as a kid? Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, like drawing was like my first language. I, I have an older sister, she's five years older and she taught me how to draw um, as soon as I could hold a crayon. And um, I spent an enormous amount of time as a kid uh, with coloring books and drawing. I had, I had like, I had the big box of Crayola. <laughs> and um, I started seeing myself as an artist very young, I think. Um, and uh, I, I can remember being in like grade school and uh, my friends wanted me to like draw me a cat or, you know, or, you know, mm -hmm. just like kind of like, a you know, the entertainment value of it. But, um, but, and, and that just sort of deepened as I got into high school. And um, I've always been interested in telling stories visually Mm -hmm. with my work so that's how I have been drawn to um doing illustration mm -hmm. so um so I I think it's um pretty safe to say that like I, I've always seen myself as a creative person first mm -hmm. and um the jobs that I've had uh, I've enjoyed and uh, you know those are those have been good things, but but I but it never really felt like that was who I was, you know. Because particularly like when you work in libraries, I mean, because librarian is something that like that's what people identify as. You know, do you right. know what I mean? Yeah. And, <laughs> and I wasn't. I was like, yeah, that's what I do. Mm -hmm. and, but I definitely identify as this other creative person. Mm -hmm. um, and I've always, even when I worked full time, worked towards um, keeping my uh, creative skills on a professional level. You know, pursuing opportunities and trying to mm -hmm. trying to show work, um, and um, just making sure that that even though you know that wasn't where I had the most time, that I was able to. Uh, grow as, as a creative person. Mm -hmm. Hey, makers. So today's podcast episode is sponsored in part by Alicia Van Osdahl, who is the owner of Basil Blue Design Company. Alicia is a maker of all things, really. Her focus is on beautiful craftsmanship through woodworking, repurposing, refinishing art and sculpture. Her background includes 30 years of graphic design, logos, and branding. If you have an idea or concept that and need a creative solution or graphic design, you can email Alicia directly at Alicia, and that is A-L-I-C-I-A at basilblue.com. Or you can visit her website at www.basilblue.com. And fun fact, Alicia actually designed the logo for Crafting Revolution. So that is an example of the impeccable work you can expect if that is something you are in the market for. So be sure to look up Alicia again at her website, basilblue.com. All right, let's get back into the action. Yeah, so I mean... I guess talk to me a little bit about that, like, you know, how have you approached that finding ways to show your work or, you know, finding an audience for your work? Um, well, uh, 
it's an ongoing process. It's probably one of the biggest struggles that creative people face. Um, and it, I think probably it depends too on where you live in the country or, if you, mm -hmm. or more urban place or, but um, there've been some uh, art organizations in the state that um, have been helpful. I became a jury member of the League of New Hampshire Craftsmen with the wood carving. Um, and so they provide, um, they, they provide opportunities to show work and um, they have galleries to sell work in. Um, so things like that are hugely important. Um, mm -hmm. the, uh, there's also a statewide organization that's very active, uh, the Guild of uh, New Hampshire Woodworkers. Um, and that's a, a fantastic organization because that's where people just come together and share information about, about how to do their craft. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, it's just kind of a, a kind of a constant process of, of um, finding places that are interested in showing the work. Um, I, I, when I was younger, as, as a, you know, with the, my work on paper, I put more effort into shows that were jury shows in other parts of the country. Um, and I don't do that as much now uh, because that takes a lot of work and mm -hmm. it's kind of expensive too, framing, shipping. Um, and uh, I just, it's just what was one of those things that I, that I kind of cycled through. And yeah. um, I'm more interested in making connections locally and um, finding places that are a good match for the kind of work that I do. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that to me is, is the constant struggle finding the place that's like a good match and can support the clientele that would be interested yeah. <laughs> in my work, yeah. um, you know? Yeah. It's, it's great. People love to look at creative work. They, mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's not the hard part. The hard part is connecting with the people that want to own it, to want to live right. with it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah. When you figure that out, let me know. And vice versa when you when you figure yeah, sure. out. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think like are both is is illustration and wood carving like equal loves or do you feel like you love one more than the other? Well, you know, that's like saying who's your favorite child. <laughs> it's not really a, a fair question, but um I would say it's fairly equal and I would also say that um, that it depends on what I'm going through um, how I'm feeling about certain things um, and sometimes the way to express those things are, are better for for wood carving and sometimes they're not so um, I I'm interested in trying to kind of like bring them together. Um, and I've done a few things that I feel kind of sort of do, but I don't, I, I'm still working on, on that kind of integration. But at the same time, I also feel like they're fine being separate too, you know? Um, it's, um, it's, the thing is, is, is that, uh, the way that I feel about painting and color is it like it feeds more of a um, need. It's like that experience of putting paint to paper in watercolor, um, of mixing color, of um, you know combining colors on in the same painting. Mm -hmm. Just the process is so visceral and uh, just so good for me. Um, mm -hmm. And carving is more about, 
it's more physical and, and it's more, um, it's more about sort of figuring things out, excuse mm -hmm. me. <clears throat> so, um, so it kind of just depends on where I'm at um, and how, um, how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, does that make sense? It does. Um, I mean, I'm, I will say I've like dabbled in all kinds of different mediums, you know, messy, uh, and there's, there's plenty that I enjoy working with, but I definitely tend to fall. I, I definitely feel like I have a full on love affair with wood specifically as a medium. And so, um, I tend to maybe more so experience, like do different techniques with wood, uh, specifically depending on how I'm, how I'm feeling. Um, <clears throat> you know, whether it's going to be more focused on, uh, the art comes from the finish technique. Cause I tend to use, um, or I do use a lot of dyes to bring really bright colors to my work. Um, and so like that may be the focus of that project because that's where I need to be at at that time. And that's where my creativity is versus yep. maybe my creativity is in trying to get a certain texture or shape through power carving. Like it just depends on the mood. So I, I, I understand, <clears throat> totally understand that. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, and they're very different processes. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, um, and it's also the kind of things that are hard to describe. Yep. <laughs> so, um, but, but I, I do have, you know, uh, the, a real connection to working with wood as a medium. Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing quite like it. And... I couldn't give up either of them, you know. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess I have no favorite child. <laughs> Do you, um, I mean, going into print making in school and then like illustrations, I feel like that's probably been maybe more historically, quote unquote, okay for women to take up that space yes versus carving or any sort of woodworking <laughs> yes and so uh, I will say that that definitely is uh, one of the big reasons why that's the direction that I went when I was in school mm -hmm. absolutely I um I wish it hadn't been that way. I wish I could have been comfortable making a start mm -hmm. uh, working in wood then. But um, but it was also something that I couldn't like escape either. I, I you know right. And, um, I kept coming back around to it. So um, I am amazed at how how many opportunities there are now. Mm -hmm younger women, younger than me, certainly, <laughs> um, younger, younger women to naturally just explore that without um, the same kind of hurdles that were there. Um, and um, I think, I mean, it's a hard thing to describe even, I think, to, because things are so different now. But, um, but that is definitely has been a factor um, in how my creative work has evolved over mm -hmm. years. Um, and I would say, I mean, kind of like you brought up before, I think the level of hurdle depends on, again, like where you are in the country, at least in the U.S., um, even in larger city art programs, 
there still is a drastic uh, difference between the level of the number of women versus the number of men, you know, who are going into furniture or or sculpture or wood working. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, and even that can come down to even just like one faculty member. Right. Oh, like positively or negatively. Right. You know? Right. Absolutely. Yep. yep. Um, I mean, I guess can can you tell me more about like what was what that hurdle was for you? Like, was what made it seem like not the place for you? Well, um, I mean, without going into a lot of detail, I mean, it was, it had to do with harassment. And um, so it was clear to me that that wasn't a direction I, that I wanted to follow. It was like, do, am I going to, you know, put myself in a bad spot mm-hmm. or, or not and you know I when you're young when you're 18 years old oh it's like um you don't uh have the same kind of resources like looking back I think you know if that were to happen today it would be very different um but um And it just is, it's, I mean, visibility is another factor. It's like, you, I just didn't see any other women mm-hmm. being taken seriously yeah. uh, as woodworkers. Yeah. And um, I think and that's the- And now they're everywhere. You yeah, know? And that, well, and I that, think that's the benefit of social media too, is even though now, even if you don't see another, female woodworker like in your area like with social media out there you can find them like it doesn't have to be physically taking up the same space as you right exactly yes yeah yeah and I mean and even even around here like now you know there's a real growth in maker spaces around here Mm -hmm. um and which is you know a little behind the times but it's finally finally got here and now it's happening and that's going to make a huge difference for for a whole generation of young people mm-hmm. to have access to seeing a wide range of people creating a wide range of things mm-hmm. and having the space uh to learn how to do that yeah so do you feel like um, there's been any hurdles like in your professional career as you've kind of worked your way back to wood? Um, have you seen any hurdles or do you feel like once you're in the professional world, it evens out a little bit? Well, I mean, I mean, for one example is I think for me, probably the most challenging thing was to be taken seriously at the lumber yard. Mm. You know, it was like I had to go several times and be pretty much ignored and um until um i don't know i guess i guess i you know i guess it was a rite of passage you know yeah it was, <laughs> well, i guess she's not going to go away she's going to keep coming back <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll find what she's looking for um that and i knew what f- a four-quarter board was you know yeah. And that was like, you know, the magical thing. Mm-hmm. And then it was fine. And so it's like, um, there's all that kind of stuff, but also, um, it helped. It helped me. I think one of the big things about uh, being a jury member of the league was that it gave me an opportunity. Uh, to put together a, um, a body of work, I brought it in. I I had to be juried by um, four of the top uh, wood carving, woodworking craftspeople, you know, in the state. 
um, people that I knew of and whose work I was in awe of were going to judge my work. So it was intimidating, but it was also um, that there's a mentoring aspect to yeah. that process. So um, being, you know, having gone through that process and being a jury member also um, gives me a little credibility um, mm -hmm. as far as, you know, people taking me seriously for what I do. Um, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but, yeah. um, you know, I mean, uh, other than like the general hurdles that um, women everywhere face, like mm -hmm. not being able to go places alone and um, mm -hmm. not, uh, not being welcome in dominantly male spaces, things like mm -hmm. that being you know someone who presents as gay as well as is gay so you know those are just the general day-to-day -day sort of way that you move through the world yeah that, that expand outward into um you know the woodworking world oh yeah so Hey, pod squad. So I've got a really fun announcement for you. The There is a online festival that is coming up. It is called the Empowered Makers Online Festival. It's a totally free DIY party designed to inspire, empower, and educate so that you can stop that Pinterest scroll and be the powerhouse DIYing woman that you're totally capable of being. During this four-day online event, you'll hear exclusive presentations from 12 incredible women, DIYers, and craftswomen such as myself covering topics like beginner electrical work, how to flip furniture, making time for DIY, and so much more. So if you're ready to stop just dreaming about DIY and start taking some big freaking action. Uh, join us from September 27th through 30th for the Empowered Makers Online Festival. Cannot wait to see what you're going to create after joining this event. So in order to get registered for it, you can head on over to empoweredmakers.com forward slash revolution. All right. And I will be one of the people doing a presentation there talking about the uh, how power tools empower. So I hope to see many, many of you over there. Again, you can go to empoweredmakers.com forward slash revolution to get registered for that four day online event. It's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. All right. Let's hop right back on into the episode. Was there, were you, were you nervous or hesitant to, to, to put together that body of work to go through the jury process? Yes. I mean, it was very intimidating. And um, uh, there's a, a furniture maker. New Hampshire's unique in a couple of ways. And one is, is that the lead of New Hampshire craftsman is one of the oldest um, professional crafts organization in the country. It was like, it was one of the first ones to get started. And, um, and sort of what, uh, there was a New Hampshire Furniture Masters that was an outgrowth kind of of that. There were these furniture makers that had their own particular um, professional needs from an organization. So they started uh, another, so it's sort of like, um, a super duper jury process <laughs> that they have to go through. Um, um, and so the, one of the furniture masters, um, a man named uh, David Lamb, um, if you look him up, you can see just like unbelievable work that he does. And, and uh, about a week before um, the jurying process, I found out he was going to be on the jury. And I, um, you know, could hardly even sleep thinking about it. So, um, but it was a really helpful process. And, um, and I got in, you know, and it was <laughs> like, you know, so, um, you know, so that has a lot of 
value just going through that to kind of say, all right, uh, you know, uh, I, I am this, this mm -hmm. person, I am this carver. And uh, it's, you know, I, I, it was really nerve wracking, but it was a really positive process. Mm -hmm. Can I, I know that there's probably, you know, people who are gonna listen to this episode who don't know about like a, a jury process. Would you care to just explain a little bit more like what at least your process was for it? Well, for this, um, so the league has like a, a bunch of different categories of, of craftspeople. And um, so this fell under wood, which is kind of, you know, would be, you know, bowl turners, furniture makers and, and wood carvers. Um, so I had, um, there's a, they have a director of standards who upholds the professional level of work. And so they have some criteria, some basic criteria that all league members um, follow, but I, there were, um, so there was that um, standards director and uh, three other um, uh, craftspeople, one was a turner, um, two were furniture makers, but one was a furniture maker with a, that mostly made like carved mm -hmm. things and uh, a lot of carving in the furniture. And, um, and those people, in order to be a juror, they have them, they, they are on a special committee in the organization that trains them to, to be jurors. Mm -hmm. So, so you, so you've got those four folks and, um, I went into a room, I had, uh, I'm trying to remember, probably six or eight pieces that I brought with me. Um, and, you know, put the work down. They, they asked me a number of questions about a number of things. And then I left the room and went and sort of chewed my guts out in the other room. <laughs> and, um, and, um, and I came back in, they asked me a few more questions and, um, and then they told me that, um, that I, that, you know, that I was in and that sometimes they do like a three month trial period uh, where you have to submit each piece that you won't say, if I wanted to put a piece in a gallery, I would have had mm -hmm. to submit it to that jury and have it looked at. And they said that they decided that I didn't need to do that. So that was like a, a really big sort of plus for me. Um, it was a huge confidence boost because it's like you, you know, you're kind of working at home alone mm -hmm. and you don't, you don't have a lot of feedback. And, um, and so that really brought a lot of things together for me um, for the carving process. So, mm -hmm. um, Sometimes they might say, you know, we see, we see what you're doing here and has a lot of promise. They would sort of offer some suggestions on what you could do to improve your work. We'd really like to see if, you know, let's say the back of your carving didn't, didn't, didn't look so rough, you know, or some things like that. They might make suggestions and have you come back, things okay. like that. So it's, so it's not just, it wasn't just all about being judgy. It was like also about, um, being uh, a nurturing and supportive um, mm -hmm. process. So, yeah. Did you expect the outcome you got? Um, I was. I tried to go into it without a lot of expectation. Um, I was. I was pleased that um, the feedback that I did get was better than I was expecting. Um, I thought that was, I thought I'd probably be coming back for a second round. Mm -hmm. And so I was pleased that I didn't have to do that, but also that like, I also didn't have to continue to submit my work mm -hmm. the period. So, um, so it was much better than I think I anticipated. Um, but uh, I worked for months and months and months to put that together. That, I mean, it was a big, um, focus of my time and energy mm -hmm. uh, 
Um, but, but I mean, it was definitely worth doing. I mean, it's, I think all people, all craftspeople, no matter what they do, even if they're just at, you know, selling their stuff at a craft show, it's like they need the feedback of people mm -hmm. around them um, to, to see how people are responding to what they do. So. Yeah. Did you ever, I mean, did you go through a period, I guess, like that with your illustration work as well? Like, were you, well, so like, had doubt at all on your skill level? Well, so the thing I did, the big thing that I did with my illustration was I had designed a small line of uh, greeting cards. Um, and I went to the National Stationery Show in uh, New York City. Um, I was much younger <laughs> when I did that. Um, and um, so that probably served the same kind of thing. That was kind of a big deal show. It was a big wholesale show, but it was also a place um, where people came looking for artwork to license. Um, so um, I hold, you know, I was able to wholesale the cards. I got a lot of feedback from people. Um, I got a couple of licensing gigs from that show. Um, so it was a kind of a kickstart mm -hmm. to, to doing that. But that said, um, like a lot of the stuff that I was doing was sort of um, blind submissions. Um, so it was just like constant rejection, you know, you're just, just, call, you know. <laughs> you're um, used to it, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, you either, I mean, you know, they either ignore you outright or, or, or you get like a rejection notice from them. So, um, so I also at that time was, that was when I was doing more, um, uh, like gallery shows and stuff, um, which it was um, less um, less rejection was more positive feedback from people to, when you have openings and things like that. So um, I don't know. It's all it's like it's all just been like a process. Yeah, it, it all just gets thrown into the pot, and um, somehow you know you still feel like it's you can try again no. <laughs> hey makers today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com at toolmomstore.com you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders all sizes they've got mugs they've got shirts all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodworker on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, and also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout if you enter the code maker mom you will get a 20 percent discount off any of the merchandise that you buy so that's just toolmomstore.com all right let's head back into the action so to me if you it's kind of like if you keep going back for more i gotta know what's the uh What's the upside or the benefit of con like constantly going through that process? <laughs> What's the upside? Um, you know, I I recently made a carving of um, of a green man, which is kind of like. Uh, the stock and trade of woodcarvers is green men. But um, I had done some reading, some research about it. And honestly, like, the, like when I, I took a medieval art history class in college, and the first time I saw that, I'm like, that's a dead guy with leaves coming out of his mouth. Do you right. know what I mean? It was yeah. like my <laughs> initial response was like, not like a, the, the sort of... Um, 
green celebration of life, which is a wonderful symbol. Right. But it was, but I had had this very different response to it. So I had done some research and I seen a picture of, of an early uh, medieval green man carving from England and clearly it was a skull of a head you know it was not like that vibrant life right. and I'm like that's the one for me <laughs> and so I um I based on that design I designed a, a, a green man carving that has this skull type head in the middle with the leaves growing out of its mouth and I loved doing it. I, I mean, it was like everything about it. I enjoyed doing it. And, um, and because like the, because my house is absolutely chocked full of artwork, it's like, I, I got to sell this stuff. I got to get it out of here. Right. And, um, and then I sat down to take pictures of it and list it. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is so strange. Nobody is going to want this thing. <laughs> it's just, just you know I followed this sort of blissful little path and I got to the end and then the reality hit and I thought and but so I listed it anyway and I it sold in like four hours somebody bought it four hours after I listed it I put it on Instagram and I got a message from the person that bought it and they were just overjoyed because it was perfect for them you know and so it's that connection I think that brings me back over and over again is the opportunity to sort of do this expressive thing sort of purely who I am mm -hmm. and then connect with somebody else with that that way it's so it's a I'm not um I'm, I'm not a, a really outgoing person. I'm not super social, um, but that's, but that's how I, that's where I'm comfortable and that's how I best like to connect with other people. Um, and it, when it works, it, there's like nothing like it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else like it. So, um, so that's, that's, I think, probably why I endured the, you know, <laughs> the abuse of, you know, living a, a creative life. I mean, it's right. not easy, but but what choice do I have, really? You know, mm -hmm. um, so. Have you gathered over this time, like, is there a uh, Lisa following out there that you've uh, gained? I, I have, like. I have like a, a small, this, I have a small group of, of devoted fans. So like I, I set up a Patreon. I have, I think I have eight patrons, but I love them. It's like, <laughs> I don't think people understand, like nobody will love you. Like an artist will love you if you support their work. I mean, I don't, it's like, <laughs> I mean, maybe like a golden retriever. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's yeah. like, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I've had, uh, you know, I have some I, people are really interested in wood carving on like Instagram and stuff, mm -hmm. but I think people come to that because they're, they want to learn. They want to, you know, they want some of that skill set information. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I have had over the years, you know, um, I like I recently had somebody message me who'd been following my artwork since like the late 1990s, you know, so it's like, oh, wow, that's really amazing. You mm -hmm. know, that's, that's somebody who really kind of gets what what you're doing. Yeah. So. Um, so. Um, you know, I don't think I, I mean, I don't, I don't expect to ever have a large following of my work, but if I can find like a few people who, who really kind of get what I'm doing, that's, it's a very satisfying process. So. Yeah. I remember it's like <clears throat> when I got the first real person that was like, that bought my work, that wasn't 
related to me or married to me, that was like the best <laughs> feeling ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or you, yeah, right. Like, like when I first started uh, on, on Facebook many, many years ago, and it was like, thanks, mom, for liking right. my book. That's like, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, it, it, I don't know. It's, I, I wouldn't stop. Mm -hmm. doing it because I lose my mind probably but um but I can understand why people would wonder you know why people keep keep going mm -hmm. um but it's definitely about other deeper sort of soul-like needs than than actual like business planning yeah yeah I guess I mean maybe that's part of the question I was getting at because <clears throat> there's like there's creating art to create art and maybe with no intent of anybody else ever seeing it and then there's creating art with intent for it to go out into the world right and so yeah I guess maybe that's a little bit of what the question was around was like and, and you answered it, but it's like, what, what about putting it out in the world is important versus just the creating of it. Right. And, and I think that connection piece is what you're saying is, is important. Yeah. But I would also say that, you know, I think the fact that I, that I got a fine arts degree kind of trained me at a young age to expect that you're making the art to put it out in the world. You know, that's sort of like a foregone conclusion of that process. You mm -hmm. know, um, when, you, when you take art classes, every, everybody's always like offering information about your work. You have to kind of get used to having people say, why, why the hell did you even do it that way? You know, right. and um, so I think, part of my expectation of sharing my work with others is probably part of learned in that process. Um, and, but that doesn't mean that there isn't work that I do that I don't share with the world too, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so. I guess maybe a, a, a deeper question on it too is, if you're somebody who like this is kind of how you share yourself with a, a broader group of people, how do you not let it affect your sense of self if you get negative feedback? Yeah, it's really, that's a really hard part of it, that vulnerability. Yeah. Um, is really, um, you know, is, is I think that keeps a lot of people from going anywhere with with their creative stuff. Um, I I think practice is. I mean, as I don't think that's not, that's bad advice. It doesn't sound like it, but you do get used to it mm -hmm. I mean and um and the other thing is is that you don't get one without the other yeah so um if you have to put yourself out there in a vulnerable way anytime you create something and share it with the world and the other thing is is that you just have to be convinced that you are the only real authority of your own work. Mm -hmm. And so you can listen to what other people have to say about it, but it, you have to learn to filter it through your own filter of mm -hmm. what that is about for you. And most of the time, let's just say all of the time, good and bad. If somebody says something about your work, it's about them. 
Mm -hmm. It's not you. Um, and I also think part of what artists and creative people do for other people is provide them that canvas for them to project themselves out onto because that's a process for them as well. But it has absolutely nothing to do with what you make or why you make it. Right. So, yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, spot on. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we're actually getting to the end of our time together, Lisa. So okay. I want to give you a chance to let people know, like, how they can find you and see your work. Um, I have a website, uh, ninthwavedesigns.com, um, which is primarily for wood carving. I also, if you go to that website, it's easy to find my illustration website, which is called Tale of the Bear. Okay. And I also have um, Instagram at Ninth Wave Designs and at Tale of the Bear. Okay. Um, so there's stuff on Facebook too, but they're all, all under the same moniker. So okay. find them. Excellent. And I'll include the links on all of that in the show notes. So it's easy and available for people to find. Um, thanks for chatting with me today. Hey, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I had a good time. <laughs> all right. So again, that was Lisa Laffey. I'm going to include the links on how you can follow along with both her um, illustrations page and her wood carving page. You can find that in the description for today's episode. So just look in that description box on the podcast app you use, or if you're watching this on YouTube, check out the description down below. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure that you subscribe, like, and review on whatever podcast app you are using. Follow along with the podcast over on Instagram, just at Crafting a Revolution. And there you'll be able to find the links directly to watch and listen to the episodes, um, as well as any uh, podcast swag that comes up or any special offers that may be going on at any given time. Uh, plus, obviously, I post about the new episodes over there as well. And I've mentioned over the last several episodes that I have a goal. I am trying to get to 10,000 downloads in a month before the end of the year. Right now, we're averaging about 2,500. So I uh, have a big favor to ask, and that is uh, please share with your friends about the podcast. Let them know that it's an awesome podcast that uh, interviews and introduces people to amazing makers from all over the world. Uh, share out the news. This doesn't cost you anything uh, except for a little bit of time. So if you could please do that, help spread the word about the podcast and help get us to 10,000 downloads in a month. I'm counting on you, Pod Squad, right? This is in, this is in your court right now. All right. When I am not interviewing fantastic people and making podcast episodes, you can find me designing and making furniture and other home decor over at freemanfurnishings.com and at freemanfurnishings across pretty much all of the social media platforms. Though I uh, am active on a daily basis, pretty regularly on Instagram and second most on TikTok. So if you want to hit up those two places at Freeman Furnishings, you can kind of see there what I am up to. All right, it's the middle of the week. I hope you're having a great week so far. And as always, let's go craft a revolution. She, her, fan, they got something they want to say. Solution for the toxic man.